Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of June 22nd. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. And I have with me cross telephone lines Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. We're not across telephone lines, so are we? We're across the internet. We're across I guess. the internet. Yes, the World Wide using, Web. We're using multiple contact points, right? We've got Skype, we've got iChat. Uh, we've got telepathic powers. <laughs> Mind bullets. <laughs> Mind bullets. As Tenacious D would say. I'm not a fan of Tenacious D. What? I have to say, I've never really seen it. I know. You might want to explain to our audience who has no clue. Tenacious D. Well, maybe D. they do. I, I bet a lot do. But um, yeah. I'm sure everybody's familiar with, or at least knows who Jack Black is. But uh, Tenacious yes. D is Jack Black and Kyle Glass gas or glass i think it's gas um just it's a it's a co- comedy duo they do a lot of music and other little comedy routines but uh it could be a little crude at times inappropriate but uh that's kind of what makes them funny yeah that is our style of humor though isn't it? <laughs> indeed and i have to say i can't wait to see to see year one is that what it's called yes year, jack black year and one yep. michael sarah yep oh that looks good plus there's a very high budget video game coming out with Jack Black in it called Brutal Legend. So that looks. Oh, uh, did you mention that last time? Yeah, I can't remember, but it looks uh, looks entertaining. I can't remember if that was on a podcast or a meeting, but it all blurs together. <laughs> it just sure does. I, <laughs> okay, let's let's uh, let's get to some topics here. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, today in the Star Tribune, but I'm sure it showed up in different media outlets. Uh, at least this is as we're recording this today, the Mayo Clinic announced it is going to open some kind of presence in the Mall of America. So for those of you who aren't from the Twin Cities market, uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the Mall of America, but they're expanding it. Uh, And there's a big parking lot across the street that actually used to be home of the the old Twins Met Stadium. Uh, And they're going to build a whole new, you know, I don't think it's going to be as big as the Mall of America, but it's going to be large. Uh, it's going to have like a theme park in it and restaurants and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I heard. And, I heard. Even, uh, I heard a golf course. Even is that true? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think it's that big. I keep hearing rumors of expansions and all these r- random things that are going to be in there. Um, no, one of which I was a golf course, but I don't know. Maybe it's an in- indoor golf course, a putt putt course. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but anyway, the so they're gonna they've announced a presence, and it's uh, here's the quote uh, from Dr. Glenn Forbes, CEO of Mayo Clinic Rochester. The Mall of America provides a tremendous opportunity to provide a gateway to services we provide and a platform <laughs> for innovation. Sorry, he's a provider provide, after all. Provide, provide. It's not our intention to replicate what we're doing in Rochester. So. It goes on to say the new facility might, for example, offer telemedicine consultations and organize logistics for international patients, but it will not offer routine primary care, such as treating sore throats and broken bones. So, again, for those of you not familiar with the Twin Cities market, uh, you know, Mayo Clinic obviously is probably the top brand in healthcare, one of the most well-known, most well-respected. You know, I think it swaps places with Johns Hopkins some years. Uh, Cleveland Clinic, obviously. Uh, people associate it with Minnesota and Rochester, uh, but if you don't know our state, you may think that they're right next door. And, and in the Twin Cities, uh, they don't really have a presence up until this. Mm-hmm. Mayo Clinic doesn't have a presence. So this is this is fairly big news, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. 
because clearly if you're already a provider and there's quite a few of those in town systems, uh, you would be a little anxious to hear the Mayo Clinic coming to your backyard. (laughs) Now, they're not building a hospital. They're not even building a primary care clinic. Uh, but from the sounds of it, it sounds like they want to do something really innovative. You know, I think that they're, they're, if you read between the lines, they're trying to go where the people are. And the Mall of America is, I think, the number one tourist destination in the country. Is that possible? That can't be. In Minnesota, for sure. Right, it's huge. Right. Millions of people come every year from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So if you could create something where those millions of people are coming to, uh, tied to maybe not if you're sick or injured, but health, and it's tied to the Mayo Clinic brand, you might attract quite a few people. So, and then of course, that's a portal right into the Mayo Clinic itself. So, here's how you know, for those of you not in Minnesota, you may be going, Well, who cares? You know, we don't have to worry about this. Uh, but I think it's, it poses an interesting question What if Mayo Clinic came to your market? What would you do? How would you react? What if Mayo Clinic decided they were going to open one of these? Uh, or some other kind of, you know, like they have their uh, Mayo Clinic uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. They have one in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, what if they brought their brand to your market? Chicago, Cleveland, you know, head-to-head with Cleveland Clinic, New York, Los Angeles, Seattle, wherever. How would you as a provider or a marketer of a provider in one of those communities respond? That would be a very interesting question mm-hmm. to pose to your leadership. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Um, there's no better recognized name brand in healthcare than the Mayo Clinic. I mean, people fly overseas for. You've got princes coming from Narnia, Nar- <laughs> from Narnia <laughs> to get uh, surgery here. It's uh, right. this is where that's where people go. That's where um, I don't know. That's 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 big news. Yeah, it, it, I think for this market, it's big news. I. Uh, I think it would be a wonderful exercise for anybody in healthcare marketing to pose that question to their own team or to their leadership to say, uh, because a lot of people, I think, you know, uh, they compete against the people next door. And oftentimes, depending on the community, the people next door aren't the cat's meow necessarily. So your standards aren't maybe as high. You don't feel the pressure. Maybe it's a little, maybe the market's a little closed. So there's two dominant hospitals or two dominant systems and, you know, market shares 48 to 52 or, you know, it sways a little bit, but everybody's happy. Uh, what would happen if somebody came in like that? And, uh, you know, to, when I started thinking about this, uh, you know, my first question is, well, how are you different? How are you different from the Mayo Clinic, which goes straight to your brand position? Uh, and I think about that in the Twin Cities, and I wonder how the Twin Cities systems would answer that question. You know, I don't know if they could even answer it relative to each other. Uh, but relative to the Mayo Clinic, boy, that would be a hard hill to climb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Mayo Clinic is is one of those unique organizations that has somehow attained this level, the status level that they don't even need to advertise right. to maintain this extremely high level of brand recognition. Whereas that's like, seemingly the number one priority of every organization, every healthcare organization in our market is how do they get their brand out there? They're the, you know, the best kept secret. How do they get, how do, how do we let people know about us? Um, here's an organization who doesn't even have to advertise and they are known as the best. Yeah. Like everywhere. Which took, (laughs) which took years of building a brand, years, decades of building a brand. Uh, and I and I would assume that if this happened in your market in the Twin Cities, this will pro- this conversation will probably happen. 
uh, you know, and in some boardrooms in this market, but in any market, a lot of the conversation will happen around, you know, the very opposite of what you just said, Adam. It'll be, well, what ads do we need to run <laughs> yep. to to convince people that they should stay with us? And, uh, you know, there's a nice quote in here by uh, somebody I'm not familiar with, but from the Twin Cities. Let me see if I can find it here. Hold on. Sorry. Technical issues. I want to give credit to this person. Uh, okay. Alan Baumgarten. Independent Twin Cities healthcare analyst. Uh, the question is posed to him: Should the systems in the Twin Cities be worried about this? And his his answer is, "quote I would say a little bit. Although most people have long-standing relationships with their doctors, we are going into a time when people are paying more and more out of their own pocket, either because they have lost coverage or have high deductibles. This gives someone with a brand name like Mayo an opportunity to say, don't think of Mayo being 90 miles away. Think of Mayo as being at the Mall of America.'" Now there's a portal that would lead right to the renowned Mayo Clinic. And, and I think he's dead on. Uh, and, and again, it's not that people necessarily would drop their physician or their current provider support system and run to the Mayo Clinic. Because it's not going to be very convenient if you, if you have chronic issues and you have to go to Rochester all the time. Uh, but if they're offering something, packaging something like their executive wellness program, which you know they were way out ahead on that, and people travel from across the country from that, for that, uh, that's different or more compelling, uh, they could draw folks in. And I think, I think the Mayo Clinic would say, hey, there's a lot we can offer you that doesn't require you to travel at all. Right, right. So, and, and, I, you know, and I think of myself, I, my wife and I stick within a particular health system because it's the system she already works within. So we get some benefits that way in terms of lowered costs. So that's the only reason... We're there, really. It has very little right. for us to do with brand loyalty because for me, it's like, you know, I've had bad experiences with doctors. I've had good experiences. Probably they probably balance each other out. I don't get sick often. I don't go to the hospital often. So I really don't have any reason, other than the price savings we get, to stay where we're at. Um, it'd be really interesting to know. I mean, you you mentioned people with chronic. Uh, issues and long-standing relationships with their own physicians, um, things that could build brand loyalty, or if not brand loyalty, at least a, a level of comfort that they don't want to lose that they're that they're used and convenience. to. Convenience, yep. yep. I, I really I question how many people are like are more like me, and how many people are more on that end of the spectrum in which they actually have some brand loyalty. Because for me, it's like I said, it's not brand loyalty. It's it's cost. It's the only reason that's keeping us where we're at. It has nothing to do. Right. If somebody else became the cheapest, that's where I'd go. Um, so for me, plus we're we've, we're doing this like the medical savings thing now too. So we're having more to spend out of pocket up front, a higher deductible. I would certainly right. ha- not hesitate for a second to go try something like uh, the Mayo Clinic if if it wasn't going to cost me any more than where where I'm at now. Right. So, well, so I think, you know, the brand I don't part know, the, of that is. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I'll I go insist. ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I think part. Typically, I would answer Adam that you're of a gen, you're of a age group that is uh, doesn't have the issues of like an age group of mine or older. But I know you do have some. You know, you've got like your allergies mm-hmm. and things that uh, you deal with all the time. So you're not healthy and to you, healthcare is like, you know, always out of your mind. You do have to deal with something. I don't know if you call it chronic. Uh, I have chronic issues that I have, you know, a couple specialists I've seen for years. I've got a primary care doctor I've seen for years. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'm very loyal to them. Uh, and it's certainly not cost oriented. It's a little bit of convenience, so they're not necessarily the most convenient option for me. Uh, it's I like them. I know them. It's comfort, like you said before. Uh, but if the Mayo Clinic offered something that they didn't, and I saw this as an added value to me, uh, and I was at the Mall of America, and it was like a half-hour consultation with a Mayo Clinic doc using some cool technology, uh, I might check that out. Yeah. It's, well, it's not even a terribly far drive for you. Right, right. So that's not too inconvenient. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll try to let people know what exactly shows up there. I don't, you know, this this addition uh i don't know how long how far out it is it's still a ways away uh so it's probably not going to be anything that happens this year it might be next year but uh they've been talking about this addition for years so who knows uh maybe maybe this is just a really smart pr <coughs> ploy by mayo clinic uh and they're trying to scare some folks and well it's an interesting location to get into um i know for myself i i Personally, and I and you know, as is as great as the Mall of America is for the Twin Cities economy, I think it's great on that level. Personally, I despise the place. I cannot. <laughs> so do I. I just I hate it. If I want to shop, that's the last place I have in mind to go. The only time I go there is when I have friends visiting from out of town who want to see the Mall of America because it's the big cool thing to see when you come here. Um, but otherwise, I avoid that place like the plague. So, but but let's be stereotypical. Maybe this is sexist, but I'm sure I have plenty of friends that are <clears throat> women that would support this. Oh, my wife! I don't it. like shopping. Well, yeah. So, so we can break some stereotypes. But you and I, let's just stick to our little subset. I like, shopping. Don't like shopping. I actually, I do like shopping. Actually, I love. So, going, what don't you like about the Mall of America? The size it's, too big. it's too, way too big. It's too big, and it's such a hassle to get in and out. That's probably yes, that's the true. worst part. Getting in park, getting into the the, the parking ramps, parking. Getting to the store, you had to walk like a half mile then from the ramp to get to the store you right. actually want to see. Um, the other malls in town I love, Southdale, Ridgedale, Rosedale's not bad. Um, and those have all of this, well, I mean, most of the stores that I enjoy shopping at in, in terms of clothing. And right. other Apple stores are in there too. So I don't know. It's just... Um, but it, that's. I think that speaks to to what they're trying to do and what they're not trying to do. They've already said they're not trying to create a primary clinic option because there was actually a clinic in that, in the mall of America. I can't remember who now clinic or somebody local that went out of business I bet. and probably for the very reason that you're talking about who in the world wants to deal with the mall of America inconvenience yeah. when you got a strep throat. Right. Right. Uh, but if you, if you can, you know, if you can uh, just like the rainforest cafe is an experience from food mm-hmm. and people are already there. A lot of people like we know come in from around the country, around the world. They spend days there uh, and you can offer something compelling related to health. Right. And I think that's going to be the key, not sickness, but health. And you're already there. You, you know, you might pull some people in, but doubtful you're going to pull locals in uh, for all kinds of reasons, inconvenience, right. you know, existing provider, right. Whatever. <coughs> okay. Let's um let's switch gears here. I need I need some psychotherapy. So I'm gonna hope that the <laughs> folks listening will. Pro- I'm gonna climb on the couch here, uh, and let's talk about hospital marking ethics for a second because my mind's been churning over this uh, ever since I read and we've mentioned this story before. It's called the cost conundrum. Uh, it was a story in the New Yorker. It was by a surgeon. So well done. Uh, he looked at the McAllen, Texas market, why it was the most expensive market when it came to Medicare expenditures. Uh, in the country. I think it was tied with Miami. 
and he and he compared it to a very similar market in Texas, El Paso, uh, and he was kind of looking at well, why is it most expensive? Is it uh, and healthy, you know, residents? No, the same as El Paso. Is it, uh, you know, the care is too expensive or too good? No, it wasn't that. Is the care too bad? No, it wasn't that. His his uh, result finally was that it was uh, too much care. And a lot of that was because physicians had a stake in it. And so it got me thinking uh, about what we do as an agency and what a lot of our listeners do in healthcare marketing. And, you know, I need to back up a second. And, and whenever people ask me, well, you know, how do you guys feel about that relative to these to the healthcare reform and the system as a whole? Uh, I'm a firm believer in competition in all businesses and in healthcare as well. Uh, I think competition is a great thing. It drives innovation. It drives improvement. It drives better service. It usually drives better pricing. Uh, if you look at examples where competition hasn't existed, uh, the one that always comes to mind for me is is PC software, system software, Windows. Uh, they came to monopolize and dominate that market for years, for two decades practically, and it's still terrible. And if... if Apple had made some different decisions or somebody else had come up. Uh, you know, Bill Gates was a genius when he came to business, uh, but because they had a monopoly and there was no competition, innovation and quality of that product, drug, is horrible and is still horrible, right? Uh, cable companies. <clears throat> we all complain about cable companies, especially back in the day, the 70s, the 80s, uh, when they had basically a monopoly on certain areas and you had no other choice. Uh, bad service, bad customer service, outages, price increases every year. Uh, now that there's some competition with the internet, with satellite, uh, we're seeing innovation that we hadn't seen forever. Uh, and competition brought that. Uh, even legacy airlines, I would say, you know, until Southwest and those folks came along, you had bad service, bad prices, all of that. So uh, I believe in healthcare that, that competition's good. But I've always assumed a set of patients. So in other words, let's take a market, uh, let's say the Twin Cities, and there's a set of patients who need angioplasty or hip replacement surgery or whatever. And our job as a marketing agency is to help our client, let's say they're one of five hospitals that offer these services, and there are 100 people in the market that need angioplasty. Our job is to help them grab as many of those patients as they can. That's competition. And it's not just advertising, it's, you know, do you have the best doctors? Do you have the best service? Do you have the best quality? Do you have the best experience? All of those should impact uh, and eventually maybe price. Uh, what, how many of those hundred that you get? Okay. Are you with me so far, Adam? Mm-hmm. Are you agreement with all that so far? So far. So far, so okay. good. So, so now here's where the ethics come in. Uh, what if your efforts, our efforts, marketing efforts in healthcare, instead of trying to draw from a set pool of 100, are increasing that pool. So in other words, uh, there's 100 people in, the, in this market that need angioplasty, and we're going to go after them. But because of our efforts and the efforts of the other five hospitals, 100 people don't receive it, 200 people receive it, or 300 people receive it, or they receive all the diagnostics that lead up to it. Uh, this is kind of what the McAllen, Texas situation uh, is because you've got physicians who are uh, driven to benefit from financially benefit from this. And so you get a lot more care, a lot more diagnose, diagnostics, a lot more uh, MRI, CT scans, procedures that maybe you, you wouldn't. Uh, and so it drives overutilization. 
which could be a huge reason for cost increases in healthcare. Uh, how is you know how do healthcare marketers deal with that? Do they care? Do we care? I mean, it, it, on a system-wide scale, that concerns me. But I don't know how on a individual client scale or hospital scale or service line scale would anybody ever stand up and say i don't think this is the right thing to do we shouldn't be driving more volumes in because we're increasing <clears throat> utilization right i don't know well it's it's a uh, i don't know as a marketer you kind of get stuck in a crappy situation at times i mean when when the market gets saturated with services that it doesn't need more of when <clears throat> the hospital down the street buys a new piece of scanning equipment because the, because right. your organization has it now they need to fill up now they need to have the volume to maintain that piece of equipment as well which costs millions of dollars that i don't know i mean because it seems like some of the, the the issue gets to be needs to be addressed before marketing well i shouldn't even i was going to say it in, uh, before marketing enters the equation i shouldn't say that because marketing should be driving those decisions right. um <clears throat> Oftentimes, that just unfortunately is not the case. The organization gets the piece of equipment, then all of a sudden marketing finds out about it, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll help you get that figured out. Right. But and you're right. You're right. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a I don't know. It seems to be a tricky it's a tricky situation. Well, and I think I think that's a really fair assessment because a lot of this happens at a much you know, at a level a lot higher than typical, you know, marketing communications or advertising. So certainly it's like you said, it's the purchase of equipment, redundant equipment or the opening of redundant offerings. So however many heart centers in the twin city or uh, joint replacement surgery centers or whatever, uh, you know, each hospital is competing. And because this isn't a perfect economic system, uh, you know, usually you get oversupply uh, prices go down and you have mm -hmm. uh, providers of whatever that service or product is that fall by the wayside. Uh, you know, you can look at automotives, you can look at all kinds of different industries, but it doesn't happen in healthcare. People just keep footing the bill right. and raising prices uh, or we all pay more. So it, it, you're right. But I wonder for our world that we control, <coughs> you know, do marketers, should they think about that? Do they work? Does anybody else out there have this run through their head and go, boy, we're part of the problem. Uh, I, again, believe in competition, believe in uh, driving market share, driving volumes. Uh, but that story really made, made me stop and think about how much are we enabling uh, bad behavior. And you know what it reminded me of was uh, this whole financial crisis we're in right now. I mean, you can go all the way back. This really all got, you know, the fuse that lit this bomb was uh, mortgage-backed securities, which are driven by mortgages. So if you think about... Uh, there are 100 people in a market that are in a position to buy a house. That's the way it used to be. You had to put 20% down. You had to have a certain income. Uh, and then somebody figured out, well, we can package and sell these things as investment tools. And once you know, you basically went through those 100 people, realtors, mortgage banks, or mortgage brokers, banks, all these folks said, well, we need more. So now we're going to start going after more than the 100. We're going to go after people that maybe can put 3% down or can do an interest-only loan or don't have to show us any documentation of salary, which is seriously what a lot of the stuff was at the end. So you expanded the pool of customers, just like we're talking about with angioplasty, uh, to a point that you had people that should not have, should not have been buying houses, should not have been getting mortgages. Right. 
and then because those all turned into investments, those investments turned bad and it brought down, nearly brought down the financial system. Uh, that's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Overutilization of a product uh, that that in either healthcare or mortgages is tied to the overall economy in such a significant way that it's costing us all. You know, this isn't iPods, this isn't peanut butter. Uh, these are things that are really hurting us as a society. So it just made me think of of that kind of bubble. And and in healthcare, it's not a bubble because there's no investment tied to it. Uh, it's just people just keep paying more and more and more. <laughs> There's more and more cost for overutilization. So I don't know. That's my therapeutic <laughs> session for the day. And, and maybe some people can chime in and tell me I'm not served. Or, <laughs> well, that's going to happen anyway. Don't worry about it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I've, had, I've, I've expressed to some people, and, and they, you know, they brought up what you brought up. And, uh, and again, I believe in what we do. I don't, I don't want to send the wrong signal here. Uh, and I think that it's important for hospitals to compete <clears throat> for many different reasons. But... I don't know. Makes me think twice when I see that story. So, hopefully, we we are all keeping an eye out for that. But I don't know what we could really do about it. So. Right. Right. Okay, I'll come off the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to finish with something a little lighter? That was kind of heavy. That was heavy. That was deep thoughts by Jack Handy. <laughs> do you remember that? Oh yes, those are great. I think my my favorite is. Oh, well, I probably can't say my favorite one on here without a. Uh, disgusting people i can say one i can say my favorite (laughs) one time one time it was raining and i asked my dad dad why is it raining and he said because god's crying and i said dad why is god crying and he said because you made him (laughs) (laughs) oh wait that's a perfect deep thought by jack andy there's another oh another one of my favorites was have you ever been at a party and something fuzzy screeches across the room and clings to somebody's face and you have to stop and laugh because hey what is that thing? <laughs> Whatever happened to Jack Candy? I don't know. That kind of what was that like? Early mid eighties Saturday Night Live? Probably. No, I think it was nineties. Nin- probably yeah, 90s. probably nineties, early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Because just that, that... arbitrary humor. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we miss Jack Candy. Maybe we'll try to maybe we'll try to post a link to to Deep Thoughts. I bet somebody's got them all cataloged, right? There needs to be like a Jack Handy iPhone app. Yeah, that would be perfect. That would be perfect. Speaking of which, what did you, you uh, upgrade your iPhone to the new OS? Oh, is that available? Yeah, it came out yesterday, and the new phones come out tomorrow, so I'll be... Hopefully I can avoid waiting in line, because I reserved my new phone, so I think hopefully I can go just past the line and pick up my uh, yeah, good. My phone. <laughs> good, good luck with that. <laughs> cutter, cutter. <laughs> I, shouldn't my iTunes tell me? I didn't, yeah, I didn't you, see yeah, it. Plug you it in new and, software. Yeah, plug it. Plug your phone in and uh, hit the. Um, well, hit this. Don't just hit the sync button, but there'll be one for check for updates, and that'll that'll uh, download the new OS. But okay, yes. does it take a long time? Oh, uh, probably fifteen minutes ish. Okay, okay, but uh, yeah, some cool new stuff on there. Been enjoying. That. Cool. Cut and paste. You cut, and paste. cut and paste things. Yes, cut and paste. You can do little voice memos now. So if you want to uh, make notes for your, there was there were apps for that before. So yes, not like that's new. Those. But side, you that can, was the first app I ever got was a recorder. And to be honest, this was like a year and a half ago. I've never used it ever. Yeah, actually, I got one, and I have also not ever used it. Note to self: feed mayonnaise to tuna. <laughs> do you know what movie that is? <laughs> no. What is that? No. Night shift. That's probably before you were born. 
Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler no, in Night Shift. I have not had some of the best it. lines of movie history. I've heard of it. And that was one. He he had all these crazy ideas, and he carried a tape recorder with him. And one of them was um, creating tuna tuna salad, like immediately. So his idea was feed mayonnaise directly to the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, yeah, what, maybe we should introduce that as a marketing concept. <laughs> I like it. All right, so so we we brought ourselves up. We we, we used deep thoughts by Jack Handy to pull ourselves out of the, <laughs> the, the heavy thinking world so we should probably stop there before we go too light and That's go off the other deep end the shallow end we'll hit our heads time. on the shallow end <laughs> yeah we won't drown in the deep end all right well for healthcare marketing insights this is chris bevelo adam meyer uh thanks for joining us and we will talk to you next week <laughs> <laughs>